consistency breeds loyalty. So people want to work with brands that they understand and trust. If your market doesn't understand what you do and why you do it, they'll choose your competitor. Who does? So clearly Mm -hmm. articulate your brand purpose. More purpose means more progress. Welcome to In Demand Brand. Each episode, branding experts Vardeep Edwards, Jen Odom, and Jana Bramwell discuss tips, techniques, and insights that will help you build a strong brand presence that will get your business noticed. great show for you today. Today we are talking about brand strategy. What is brand strategy? What are all the different steps? And how do you know if you have a problem with brand strategy? If your organization has a problem with brand strategy, how do you know what to look for? So we take the several steps of brand strategy and we grouped them into three easy categories. So we're going to look at purpose, positioning, and personality. And within each one of those are three additional steps. So um, to start off, we're going to look at purpose. What is purpose? Why is it important for your organization? How do you know if you have a problem? So one of the problems that you might see if you have a problem with your purpose is maybe it's not as clear. Maybe there is a lack of motivation. You, maybe you've fallen out of love with your business and you can't find the motivation to start to work on your business. Maybe your employee turnover is really high. Employees are only coming for the paycheck. This might mean that you have a weak brand promise. What is your organization stand for that is bigger than money? What is your bigger purpose? What purpose does your organization serve? A clearly defined purpose inspires action. Do you know what I uh, read recently was about either Gen Z or millennials, how they're more interested in working for companies and businesses that have a clear purpose. So I just think that's really interesting where you linked it to about the employees and their turnover and motivation for working for those particular businesses. Mm -hmm. I think you're always going to be more aligned, period, uh, for anyone. Like you want to know why you're doing the work you're doing. It's not just about punching in and punching out. And then that kind of motivation directly reflects the perception of your customer. Because if you're dealing with somebody who's just punching their time clock versus a person who is going to like go in and like understand what they're doing and and understand how to serve their customer, there's just going to be a better connection between consumer and employee. Totally agree. Because if you're clear on your purpose, then that instills trust in your customer and your employee. Because if your employee is showing up for more than a paycheck, there is a purpose behind the work that they're doing. They're going to stay longer. They're going to trust you as an employer. And so uh, that's another one of the problems that you might see if you have a problem with your purpose with your organization. Are you attracting the wrong type of leads and the wrong type of employees? So maybe then you aren't articulating your values clearly. Maybe your sales team isn't consistently communicating who they are. Maybe there's a misalignment between your marketing team and your sales team. If employees can't communicate what a company does clearly, then you can't articulate that to the market. So your employees need to know that. You need to know that as an as a organization leader and communicate that to your team 
And then your team can communicate that to the market. So that is internal alignment that leads to external alignment. Yeah. And I think uh, that's the one thing that I see almost consistently is none of that stuff gets on paper. You have a, a brand leader, a company leader who really, they know in their heart where everything's at, but it just, it's, that's where it stays. It doesn't get directly translated. And that's part of the job of branding is to get all of that stuff out from, you know, the hearts of the business owners and onto the table and out into the ether, including your employees. So the third problem that you might see if you have a problem with your brand purpose, the core of who your organization is, which would include your purpose, your mission, your vision, and your values. These are the elements to a brand purpose. Maybe your organization isn't growing and repeat business is down. Consistency breeds loyalty. So people want to work with brands that they understand and trust. If your market doesn't understand what you do and why you do it, They'll choose your competitor. Who does? So clearly mm -hmm. articulate your brand purpose. More purpose means more progress. And Jenna, you've got an example of this that you can share with us. Have you? Yeah, 100%. I spent a good portion of my young adult life as a flight attendant. And that is a really interesting industry and one where there's a lot of... Um, I don't know. Nobody has a good time flying anymore these days, right? And the customers are angry. <laughs> employees are angry. I will say from my own personal experience, I joined an airline at a time where there was a lot of great company culture. And through my employment there, it tanked. It was through mergers. We lost that piece. But I can say, hands down, the one airline that always shone was Southwest Airlines. And that starts from this, um, they have this cyclical culture thing. The customers know what to expect. And when you walk on an airplane, you almost anticipate to have a fun loving flight attendant. They know, you know, they're gonna make your day good. They're there and they're happy to be there. And, and it just, as horrible as air travel can be these days, like I think a lot of people anticipate it when they're flying Southwest, they might have a great experience. And so how this translates in the branding world, one, they've got this culture that's already out there. They attract people that want to be a part of that culture. There's so much demand right away to become a part of the flight crew for Southwest Airlines. They only accept 2% of their applicants. And that when they're going through this training process, culture is delivered immediately. When they're going through the hiring, they want to make sure they find people that have a warrior spirit, a servant's heart, and they brand themselves with a fun, loving attitude. That's L-U-V. That is a part of their internal brand. And that comes down to like their initial L-U-V is the airport code to where they were first founded. So it's just kind of this like Wonderful oh, thing to tie brilliant. it all together. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So Dallas Love Field was where Southwest originated and that's LUV. So oh. that, that's been a part of their thing forever. So if you ever see the LUV and, you know, keeping with that heart um, branding, that's why. And they have an entire department that's focused on their um, internal culture. They have a people-centric philosophy. They want to make sure their employees are taken care of. It just translates so much when a company takes the time to actually 
build up their workforce and, and treat them as valued people and how that can communicate to the outward world and to the customer experience. Beautiful cycle. I think that Southwest Airlines is a case for the ages as far as when it comes to like purpose and how it translates with their internal culture. Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have a very high turnover rate at all, do they? No, they don't have a high turnover rate. And part of that has to do a little bit with the industry too. Once you're tied into airline, you want to stay because you get better schedules. But I know several people from the company I used to work for that moved over to Southwest and I, they're happy and, and loving it there. Yeah. So Jana, what questions would an, a leader need to ask in order to know whether or not they have a problem with their, their brand purpose? This is for our business owners out there. If you need to look into your purpose and how it's being translated and if it's clear, I want you to go find employees. Find as many employees as you can and ask them what your company's purpose or mission is in a way that leaves it open for them to, to feel free to communicate. But you want to get that feedback and make sure that what you're hearing is in line with what you believe. And if there's a misalignment that means you need to take a look back at to, at your purpose and figure out, okay, how can we align my team? How can we align our team? It's one thing to know your purpose, but quite another for everyone else to know it too. And that yep. comes through constantly training. I, I found it really interesting the way that organizations instill their values as well. Um, there's this one organization that, that I worked with that they, they give out awards every quarter based on their values. And so that way they're reinstilling what their values are because they evaluate based on those values. They hire based on those values. Have y'all seen any really unique examples of how people evaluate or instill the values within their companies? I think it's I think it's just really interesting. You said that actually reminds me of the school system because I think they do that quite a lot, certainly at my children's school. Um, the children and it's it's interesting. You can kind of translate it and take it with you into organisations and businesses because we're talking about that purpose, but it's also about making sure it's articulated because there's no point in having a purpose if it's not going to be, right. you know, uh, kind of carried out and. You know, when uh, students and uh, children start at school and at the start of each academic year as well, they go through their values again. So it's quite interesting if organisations adopt that view as well, rather than assuming that new employees or even existing employees will know and understand what that core of the brand and the business is about. It's about the reinforcement and how, how it's measured and what mm -hmm. it means to carry out those values and live by them in running that business. Yep. It's about buy-in all the way around. Okay. So our second division, so we have the brand purpose, and this is the core of, a, of an organization, their mission, vision, values, and then there's positioning. So what is positioning? Positioning is where your organization sits in the market. What makes you different from your competitors? Who are your competitors? Would you yeah. guys define positioning in a different way? 
No, I, I think that's perfect. And, you know, you need to understand, uh, you need to look outside your organization and look at the businesses that are doing a similar to the same thing that you're doing. You need to explore what makes you special or different. Other organizations can do things that might be better than what you do, but you need to own your different. You need to own your better. You, you're looking for how you're attracting that kind of attention and you need to control that. So this is that part of, are you doing the work to understand how you're different or are you being labeled as different by your audience? That could mean that you're maybe labeled in a possibly a negative manner and you don't know until you do some of this exploration, right? And so one of the good things that you can do, and I'll cover this a little bit later too, but work on a positioning map, essentially laying out some varying um, descriptors in your industry and ranges of where you could live in this map. This would be like being a, a, a vertical, horizontal axis and just determining where you land and where your competitors land on this range to kind of see, okay, is this where we want to be? And if not, where do we want to be? And how do we change our messaging to get there, right? And I think Vardeep has a really great uh, case study about in the rental car industry, or is that yeah. correct? Yeah, that's right. So it's about um, Avis and Hertz. And I think what's really interesting about positioning is um, I think it's a famous quote by somebody. It happens in the audience or the mind of your target audience, because I think, especially in terms of even your competitors, it's who your target audience would consider your competitors, which might actually be different from who your business or organization thinks are their competitors. But yeah, the case study, uh, an example with Avis and Hertz was Avis was struggling um, because Hertz was number one in the car rental space in the US. And they were forever trying to compete with them, you know, and, and it just wasn't working. They were losing money. So they changed their tactics to look for number two. And they owned their spot. And as soon as they owned their spot, they changed their slogan to win number two, we try harder. <laughs> and that was it. It worked for them because suddenly they had a clear position of where they were. So rather than trying to target and compete with the top, and the number one, they owned a position and actually it worked because not everybody wanted to go for another one, which might be more expensive or a different type of service. But, you know, suddenly having that clarity around where they were in the landscape worked for them rather than against, which I thought was a really interesting way to kind of reposition themselves. It's finding that gap, right, in the market and who's not meeting that particular need. So for, for Avis and for Hertz, it was that price gap. Okay, we'll be number two. How, Jana, how would they, someone know if they have a problem with their positioning? I mean, like I mentioned earlier, probably examining your competitors, building that positioning map, looking at where you realistically are and just truly thinking, okay, are we where we want to be and determining where that place is and, and, and moving there, or even in Hertz's case, you know, they realized they were number two and they owned that space. So I guess you have to ask yourself as an organization, 
are you happy with where you are? And if you are, then how are you going to own that space in the right way? Or do we need to move to a different location on this, in this positioning, in this environment? And what are we going to do to get there? My, my challenge to business owners, my question or my ask of you is to build yourself a positioning map and figure out where your business lands. So Jana, how could a business owner uh, build a positioning map if they've never done it before? So um, you want to create, like I said, these a two axis, a vertical horizontal axis, and you want to have some descriptive words within your industry. So if we're going to look at maybe uh, luxury brands, right? So they have a map where we've got prestige and price on the top and then affordability on the bottom. So that would be one range that uh, brands could exist in, right? So you determine all the brands that your competitors and where they might exist on this range or scale. And then you're going to take your next, your X axis, and you're going to say, okay, for luxury brands, are we exclusive? Are we more mass market? Now look at all the businesses, all your competitors and put them on this scale. And then you should end up kind of with this, this flow, this map that shows you where you perceive your competitors to be and where you perceive yourself to be. An even better step would be to maybe go ask your target market. As Vardeep pointed out, sometimes where you think you are may not exactly be where you actually are in the minds of your market. And that's probably the most important, like, opinion is your customer's opinion. But if you don't have the access to do that, at least do it internally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our last uh, section is personality, brand personality. What is brand personality? Well, some brand strategists use the brand archetypes. There are 12. And so how do you show up in the market? What do you look like, smell like, taste like, walk like, talk like? What If we are creating a love language between you as an organization and your target market, if this is a love relationship, how do we dress you in a way that's going to attract your target market? If you're going out on a date with someone, how are you going to dress? What shoes are you going to wear? What perfume or cologne do you wear that's going to attract that person? Maybe you don't wear any because the person that you want to attract doesn't like cologne. All of these things are super important. So the way that that translates to a brand is fonts, colors, photographs, stories. All of these things are monumental in the way that you communicate to your target market. So Vardeep, what are some problems that an organization might have if they have a problem with their personality? What would they see? So some of the problems... um would be uh, one of the biggest ones is inconsistency. So where you've highlighted some of the different elements of your visuals, your tone of voice, how you come across, your personality, what you're like and attributes. Um, If there's a lot, you know, sometimes they're sort of cherry picked from different sort of types types of feelings. So, So it might be that sometimes some elements don't look a bit harsh and direct and then other elements are soft and caring you know, that might be an incongruency between how you look, your visual identity compared to how you 
sound and what your language and your voice is like so yeah so that inconsistency piece because if you imagine if you like you said kind of relating to people if you come across somebody and sometimes you do get that if somebody who looks quite it's got a hard demeanor maybe but then they open their mouths and they sound really soft and caring but it it creates that point of difference does it in your mind and it doesn't quite it doesn't quite match so what you want to do with your brand is to make sure everything matches and it creates the same impression regardless of what anybody sees to do with your brand um and it kind of relates a little bit to this lack of clarity because having clarity around what your brand personality is gives it the focus so then you know how it should uh, sound how you know how it should look it helps you make those decisions a bit better because then when you are choosing fonts colors and imagery for example design it helps to direct what that needs to look like and also what words and language then you want to use as well so those I think are kind of quite quite linked the other problem is that you might not be as, uh, I want to say memorable, but maybe distinctive is a better word. Because I think when your brand personality is clearly defined, it becomes quite strong because because it is clearly articulated. And what happens is because we're in this saturated market, especially in the online space, you know, you want to find a way to stand out. And the way you stand out is to be clear on who you are as a brand and how you communicate and articulate that. So if you've got a bit of a misalignment in terms of how you look or how you sound, then it, it can get a bit lost, um, basically. And that kind of leads into the other point about being misaligned with your audience, because I think what it does, it can create confusion in the end user's mind. So one day might not remember you, but also they don't really know what you're about. So they it's hard for them to connect with your brand where, you know, you, you talk about your date scenario, you know, you connect because you understand what that other person is about. And that's what you want with the brand and their end user. And um, one of the other points is your, uh, it might be a little bit outdated. So brands, I think, um, like the strong foundation of a brand doesn't, hugely change you know the core of what it's about kind of tweaks and adapts and evolves but you know styles and fashions and trends do Mm -hmm. do evolve quite quickly especially if your brand's been around for a long time so what might have looked right for your particular brand personality 30 years ago might not be right for today's market and also your target audience might change by then as well they might have become a younger target market or you might be repositioning and targeting a different one so I think it's good to readdress it um, from time to time to make sure it's relevant to the people that you're trying to trying to attract. And um, a couple of examples um, that I think do a really good job is Nike, for one, and it's probably one of my favourite brands, I think, to look at. So I just think they do a brilliant job and they are very much the hero brand. So, And you can see that in everything they do. Their, their slogan is just do it. It's very direct. Their um, the visual identity is quite, it's quite a minimal colour palette. I think it's only one, maybe two font choices at, at most. And even the colours within their photography is quite minimal. It's not overly bright, fussy or colourful. Um, they're quite strong as well. So it comes across as quite strong in the visuals. The, the story and the content in their photographs, as well as the styling of those visuals as well. So I think they really... They really embody their brand personality very well. 
and um, even their challenges and promotions that they do are very much along the lines of, you know, being the best you can be, basically. And, you know, their name is about meaning victory. So it's this whole athlete winning sort of mentality. So I really think they they do that very well. I would love to interject. Can I interject on Nike a little bit here? Something that's really interesting about what they do is they play with their visual identity because they need to kind of keep current and keep reaching these kind of new and on bleeding edge uh, culture wise. And that's an example of a brand who maybe doesn't have like this, they have their solid foundation brand standards, but they play creatively and they can use different fonts and they can do different things, but at the core, they still exude Nike. And they, that's kind of a part of their brand too, is to be on that edge, to be able to be creatively flexible. I think sometimes we feel a little boxed in by, by brand standards and they're there for a reason. The foundation is there, but I think there's that there's, in the right scenario, a way to play and 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 really own who you are in in a creative way. Yeah, I think that's interesting, isn't it? Because even if they do, then as you say, play on what they've already got. I don't think it takes away who they actually are still from their meaning and what we connect with with them as a brand as well. So I think they've put that really strong foundation in place so that it's it never loses that meaning. The heroes change, right? So mm. if they're a hero brand, the athletes might change, but them being a hero brand does not change. Yeah, definitely. I think I think they're just a great brand to follow in terms of seeing how they've evolved with that as well over the years. One of the other examples I was going to use was Harley Davidson. Yeah. I don't know what your experience of it is, but um, I sort of see them as the outlaw, the rebel brand. Yeah. Very much against the status quo, doing their own thing. But they've seemed to have managed to really articulate their brand to a stage where they've got this devoted community and fan base. And you know, you know, it's being accepted as being part of this tribe. And I thought it was an interesting example from that tribe and community perspective, because yes, I think Nike do a great job. Um, but I think in terms of articulating who those people are. I think Harley Davidson does a really good job about that. You know, you can sort of really see who might fit and who might not. Yeah, I'm not, by the way. Mm. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not a rebel, Vardeep. <laughs> well, I'm not a motorcyclist, so um yeah. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you are? And I I am and I agree. Um I don't I have a triumph in my garage, which I love. But um <laughs> You a hundred percent can, um, when you think of a Harley person, I guarantee every single person is like, bing, they got that Harley person in their mind. It's there. It's solid. That's a good job of branding for sure. And they're an example of somebody that's stayed very consistent in general. Like I, they don't, they play a little, but it's, it's pretty solid. Like you see Harley, you know, Harley. uh, And then, yeah, you know, you know, who's riding those bikes. Well, as a rebel, um, they use a lot of grit, a lot of texture, mm-hmm. even in their typography, their typography has grit too. It's not super yeah. clean and which is reflectant of their personality. Their personality is very gritty. It's very rebellious and it's not clean and polished because that's not their brand. Now their logo is very clean. Yeah. It's yeah. always super clear and crisp, but 
the way that they play with their design, because I think they're very playful too, um, and their copywriting is very playful, which appeals to their target market. So yeah, I, great example, Vardeep. I love Harley. I'm also not a motorist, but I love their brand. <laughs> and Jenna, have you got a question for us or an exercise rather? Yeah, this is one of my favorite exercises. I do it with all of the businesses that I work with, but it's something that's really easy to do on your own. So I'd love it if as a business owner, it's if it's just you, great. If you can like round up a few more people, that's even better. Take one to three minutes, an adjective word dump for your business. So like, I, like no holds barred, who cares? No judgment. Like just start spitting out any words that describe your brand, right? After that, I want you to go back and review every, all the words that you've come up with, pick your top five adjectives that describe your brand and then compare your marketing materials. Do your marketing materials match those adjectives? Like, are they aligned? And not even do they match, but like, are they consistently matching it? Are we always putting out content that like fits these words that describe us? And maybe this is a good kickoff point to just even own those words and use it as a guidepost for whenever you're creating content in the future. Are we hitting these points? Does it fit? That's a great thing to do. And I would like to clarify, these are not your values. These are adjectives. This is super helpful as a designer to have these adjectives because this gives context to the brand. It gives it personality. And yep. that was super fast, y'all. That was so <laughs> high level of the three different categories that we will go, go into. So for future episodes, we're going to go into each piece. So we're going to spend an episode on... Values. We're going to spin an episode on the mission. We're going to spin an episode on archetypes and how that shows up. So that was super fast. Take heart. <laughs> <laughs> we will dive into each piece in detail. Um, if you have questions, please reach out to us. We want to hear um, what super big challenges you are facing and maybe we can address them on the show. I love that. That's it. Thanks for Thank joining you. us. Make sure to like, <laughs> subscribe, and uh, connect with us personally. We, there are links in the show notes, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to In Demand Brand. If you like the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share. See you next time.